church family, you're finding the book of Philemon. We'll begin to read in the first verse. And this morning for a few moments, and we'll speak to you on this subject. A postcard from Paul. A postcard from Paul. Philemon, we'll begin to read in verse 1. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can and are able, in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. When the book of Philemon began to read in verse 1, the Bible says these words, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, and the beloved Epiphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the aged and now also prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and me. I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary." For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but now much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If you then count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. I Paul, am writing with my own hand, I will repay. Not to mention that you owe even me your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me. For I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus greets you as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit, God who can only guide us into all truth, will open the truths of this text this morning and speak God application to our heart. God, help us to see what was the original message that you intended to Philemon. God, to help us to see those time-transcending truths today, Lord, that are hidden within this little postcard of a book. And God, I pray that your Spirit will do only what He can do and strike application to our hearts today. God, I pray for the one who is lost in their sin and needs to be saved. God, I pray for the believer and the lost person alike who are harboring hatred and unforgiveness in their heart by someone who has wronged them. 
God, I pray this morning that the lost would be saved so they can experience your power in order to forgive. That God, the saved this morning, would see that they're the one that's being held prisoner, God. They're gripped by Satan, Lord, in bitterness and in unforgiveness. And I pray, Lord, your spirit will set them free to forgive as you have forgiven us. And God, I pray if we find ourselves like Paul today in some kind of prison, a situation, Lord, that we didn't desire, God, I pray we'll see the faithfulness exhibited in his life. And we'll continue to move forward, God, in great commission faithfulness, praying and interceding on the behalf of others and having hope for a better day. Bless this time. Lead us into your will. Speak to us now, God, I pray. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. Uh, this is one of the uh, prison uh, epistles, and that's why I entitled it a postcard from Paul because it's really just a little postcard uh, that Paul wrote uh, to one of his converts by the name of Philemon. We'll get to the background in just a second, but just in case while we were reading it, uh, some of you entered into a bad place in your mind, and it's like, what, why are we reading this this morning? I just want to remind you that Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16 that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man, and that's also the woman, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so this is a postcard that Paul wrote for a specific reason, and we'll break that uh, out in just a minute. But you need to know from the beginning, too, it's also something that the Holy Spirit of God initiated, and he breathed truth through this little letter, this little, this little postcard. And so the background is this. Paul, we find him in Rome again. He is, he's still in prison. This is one of the uh, prison epistles. But previously, before Paul had been in prison, he led a man named Philemon to Christ. Just their living on mission every day. Paul just happened to bump into this man by the name of Philemon. He was a wealthy individual. His wife's name was Epiphia. Apparently he had a friend or a neighbor uh, whose name was Archippus. And all of them came to faith in Christ. In response to the Great Commission, he planted a church. He had a church right there in his house. He and Archippus, either, both of them shared it together. And it was in Philemon's alone. But a church had been planted. And remember, a church isn't a building. It's people. So many people in the South just get tore absolutely out of the frame because something's going to be done to a building or the building doesn't look like it once was. Friend, the building's just a building. Christ didn't die for a building. The church or all those individual souls who have trusted Jesus to be Lord and Savior of their life. And so there was a group of people who were gathering and worshiping and living on mission. And so we find also, though, that Philemon had a servant whose name was Onesimus. Uh, slavery was legal at this time. It was wrong, just as wrong then as it is today. But only the gospel could change that, that terrible and bad scourge on history known as slavery. And so Philemon, being constantly, daily sanctified, trying to be broken free from that life of sin behind him. He still hadn't come to grips with what slavery was. And he had a slave inside his house whose name was Onesimus. And one day Onesimus, he ran away to Rome. He thought, well, I'm just going to leave this. I'm going to break free and I'm going to run away. By law, instant death. He could have been, been uh, put to death immediately. But he helped himself to something before he left. Not a sandwich, not some cookies, not a pound of cornbread. He took money. 
He went into Philemon's treasury, and he took some money. And he thought, well, boy, I'll escape to Rome. I'll just blend in with everybody. But boy, in the province of God, he happened to bump into the greatest of all Christians who probably ever lived, and that's the Apostle Paul. Runs right into the single greatest evangelist on the earth at that time. And what does Paul do? He shares the gospel with Onesimus. And he leads Onesimus to faith in Jesus Christ. And he's beginning to get to know him. You can just see the background come off of the pages. Uh, now, Onesimus, where are you from? Well, I'm from Colossae. Oh, well, I know people there. And you can feel him just kind of begin to shirk back just a little bit. Well, who do you know there? Well, I mean, I know Epaphras, and I know Archippus. I know two other people there. Really, who? Well, I know Philemon and Epiphia. And you can see Onesimus just drop his head. I say, Paul, I need to tell you something. Um, I'm a runaway slave. And also, just to go with it, I stole some money from my master Philemon. I belong to him. And Paul says, we've got to set this right. If you're, going to be, if you're going to begin to walk with the Lord, this is a fence that you can cross and go back and make amends with. Now, I want to pause right there and say this. It's not going to take much time. I want you to listen to me. There's some fences, friends, you can't cross again. And you need to seek to make amends where you have wronged people in the past. Why don't you listen to me? And I'm, just, I'm not trying to be silly, but I'm, just, I'm trying to be forthright about this because you can do more damage trying to fix things sometimes. You know, ladies, you might have spray-painted your boyfriend's letter jacket in high school because you were mad at him. You know, and you need to tell him you're sorry, but he's been married for 35 years, and you're going to do more damage going back and trying to say, so you just need to say, God, forgive me, and move on. There's some fences you can't cross and go back over. Or all you're going to do is rip the seed off your bridges. Now, this was a fence that he could cross. Onesimus could go back and make things right with Philemon. And he needed to do that. And so Onesimus tells Paul his story. Paul connects the two together. And so the Holy Spirit gave Paul the words to write to Philemon. A postcard that Onesimus is going to take back to Philemon, and three things are really going to stand out in this postcard. It's the letter of the book of Philemon that we have with us today. I want you to notice these three parts. First off, I want you to notice Philemon's reminder. Philemon's reminder. Look at verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother. Verse number 9. Yet for love's sake I appeal to you, being such a one as Paul the age, but now also Paul the prisoner. Verse number 23. My fellow prisoner. Paul's still in prison. And that's going to stand out about him in the midst of his ministry, even though he's in prison, he's somewhere he doesn't want to be. He doesn't have, you know, God issues. We don't see that Paul's mad at God. He doesn't have church hurt. He just continues to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, wherever he might be. And so he continues to live for the Lord. And so he writes to Philemon, his beloved friend, but who also, verse number 7, is, is a brother in Christ. He said, we have this great joy and consolation in your love because of the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, by you, brother. Verse number 20, he was a brother in Christ. Now, now, now notice this. Paul needs to remind Philemon of these things because see it happening. Onesimus makes his way into town and people began to look. And you can hear the whispers. That's Onesimus. Does, does Philemon know? And you can feel the, the, the fear beginning to well up in Onesimus' heart. 
He walks up the driveway and stands before the door. He takes a big swallow. Not knowing who's going to come to the door. And the door swings open. And there's Philemon. And you can see the look on his face. And Onesimus drops his head. And he simply hands this letter to Philemon. Philemon needed to be reminded of some things. And the first thing Paul's going to remind him of is, Hey, you're a brother in Christ. You, you've been born again. You need to know that. Verse number 19, he says, and, and oh, by the way, don't forget, Paul says, I'm the one that won you to Christ. Not to mention, he says, that you owe me even your own self besides. So as Philemon begins to, re- to read this, he says, you, know, you need to remember you're a brother in Christ. You know, it's like my wife does me sometimes, and gentlemen, yours has done you. You're ready to speak to your kids, firing off that. And your wife says, now, now, Chad, hold on a second. Now, John, hold on a second. Now, Bill, hold on a second. And God does that. The Holy Spirit says, now, before you do what you want to do, let's think this through. Paul says, I want to remind you, Philemon, of who who you were. Verse number 3, he says, hey, I'm sending with you first off from the very beginning. Onesimus is standing before you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Philemon, don't forget... You're living on mission. You're extending the gospel to people every single day. You're telling them about grace and mercy that they can experience. You're you're, you're a fellow soldier. You're a fellow laborer in the gospel. Verse number 2. He's reminding him of these things. Verse number 5. Paul says, hey, I've heard about your love and your faith that you have toward the Lord and toward all the saints. Now think about that. Listen to it again. Hearing of your love and faith, which you have in two directions. Now listen to it. Toward the Lord Jesus and toward the saints. How, wh- why is that a mark on his life? Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, so mind and strength. The second commandment is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Philemon is growing in truth. He loves the Lord. He's loving his neighbors. So not only has he been introduced to Christ, not only has he been born again in Jesus Christ, he's growing in Christ. He's a fellow laborer. And so Paul is he's reminding him spiritually of who he is from the very beginning. So out of the basis of that, he can make a spiritual response to Onesimus. He's reminding him of all that. Your life is marked by love and faith in two directions, to the Lord and others. Listen to verse number 6. Look at it. He says that the sharing of your faith, we're, we're praying every day, praying that the sharing of your faith may be effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Jesus Christ. He was living on mission. Every day he was seeking to win neighbors and friends people he didn't even know, to Jesus Christ. That was a reality in his life every day. And so so he's praying that that sharing might even be more effective. Can I pause right there and just say, isn't that something that in the life of the Apostle Paul, we see through all the hardship that he's going through, his prayer life was not impacted. He's still offering thanksgiving to God for the goodness that's happening in other people's lives, and he's interceding on their behalf. I mean, what about... 
Paul didn't, Paul didn't just fall apart because the world was dark. Paul didn't completely just come off the rails and just shut down emotionally because the world wasn't like it was 25 years ago. He recognized that, but he just continued to pray and to move forward in faithfulness. He says, I'm praying that in word and deed, Philemon, that your ministry will continue to be effective. He says, it's impacted my life. He says, I'm in jail. It's dark. It's hard. But look at verse number 7. He says, we have great joy and consolation in your love. He said, we're here and we're stuck. But I want you to know that the, the report that we hear that the gospel is so real in your life You're loving the Lord. You're loving your neighbor. He says, it's brought joy to my life. He says, you've you've actually been, you've been a refreshment. Continue to read verse 7. We have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints, that's all those in Colossae, but also wherever word spread of his testimony. He says, we've been refreshed by you, brother. I want to remind you, friend, listen, that your, your testimony is it an encouragement or a discouragement to others? It's one of the two. And, and if, if you love the Lord, and you're growing in the Lord, and you're faithful to the Lord, then your testimony is going to be an encouragement to like-minded believers. It's always going to be an encouragement. Now, it's a discouragement to those that don't want to be like you and wish you'd come be like they are. But to people that love the Lord and love His Word, when you're all in for God, your testimony is an encouragement. So Paul says, just want to remind you of that. I want want to remind you of how how your life has been a blessing and how it's been changed by the grace of Jesus Christ. You've won people. You have encouraged them. Verse number 19, Paul says, I also just want to throw in there, not to mention that part of the reason that all this happened uh, is because I shared the gospel with you. He said, and so God allowed me to be a part of this. The reason you've experienced all of this grace and all of this mercy is because, well, Jesus Christ, but also I had a hand in it. I want you to remember that. So Paul's reminding Philemon, stay with me, that the gospel had changed Philemon's life. He needed to know that. He needed to understand it. Philemon stood deserving. Don't miss this. He had stood deserving God's judgment but he received grace and mercy instead. Philemon stood before God, friend, dead in trespasses and sin. What did he deserve? The same thing that you and I did, hell. But God extended grace. God extended mercy. Don't forget, Onesimus is standing before him. Philemon could have him killed immediately. He could have him killed immediately. And Paul wanted to remind him from the very beginning, don't forget who you once were, and don't forget who you are now. Now Onesimus stood before... And I want to pause with that and just say again, friend, listen. That, that doesn't mean that Philemon had to approve of what Onesimus did. For, forgiveness is not approval. But he needed to be reminded about the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And so now Onesimus stood right before him seeking his grace and seeking his mercy. So we see from the very beginning... Philemon's reminder. The second part of the letter, I want you to notice, the little postcard, is Onesimus' return. Onesimus' return. Listen to what Paul says here in verse number 8. He says, therefore, because of all these things that I've just shared. Remember when it's a student of Scripture, when you see therefore, 
Therefore, go the following verses of what the context is of what's going to be spoken out of in the verse that you're reading. Therefore, because of all of these things, because of how Christ has changed your life, because of how you're growing in the Lord, because of how you love the Lord, because of how you love your neighbor, that's evidenced that you're growing. Because you've experienced grace, because you've experienced God's mercy, because of all of that, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, and he could have. As an apostle, he could have said, Hey, look, on the authority that God has given me as an apostle, you forgive him, we're moving forward in ministry. But that would have robbed Philemon of the opportunity to have done it out of free will choice. He says, though, though, I, could, though I could do this, I'm writing on the behalf of Onesimus. I'm writing on the behalf of him. Look at, look at verse number 12. He says, I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart. You can almost hear him pausing. You know, he loved that first part. You know, it was all about him. That's where the flesh would have been, you know, tempted to have taken all the glory instead of turning it immediately away and saying, no, all the glory to God. But then he began to read Onesimus, his name in there. And he's like, Piffia, get in here. Come here and read this. Listen to what, and there's Onesimus still just staring at his sandals the whole time. He says, I'm, I'm sending him, I'm sending him back. How do you, how do you know Paul? Just, just keep reading. Just keep, just keep reading. He says, I'm sending Onesimus back to you. Though he had fled and stolen, he went to Rome, he met Paul. Look at verse number 10. He says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I've begotten while in my chains. Don't you know the battle that was going on Philemon right then between the spirit and the flesh? Oh, no, he got saved. That was the flesh. Because the flesh wanted to see him hang. Because there was the pride issue. All the other people in the neighborhood, they'd have their slave put to death. Now he's supposed to offer grace and mercy and show weakness. But then deep within his heart, friend, his spirit was like, well, praise the Lord. Onesimus got saved. The battle that's taken place between the two. Paul says, now he's, a, now he's a son in the faith. Paul says, I've won him to Christ while in prison. Which again, friend, just the life of the Apostle Paul, it was always about Christ, and it was always about the Great Commission. He was, he was a little engine that could, you just, you know, and Christ I can, and Christ I can. You, you couldn't stop him because he had faith in the power of God released in his, in his life. So he, he says, now he's a son in the faith. But look at this powerful statement in verse number 11. I want you to notice first that Onesimus was scarred. Notice these scars that he has. Verse 11 says, he was, he was unprofitable to you, verse 11 says, but now he's profitable to you and to me. The word Onesimus literally translated means profitable. When he was born, someone looked at him and says, that's going to be a profitable child. There's, there's something about him. We'll name him Onesimus. He's profitable. Maybe he was profitable to Philemon at a time, but when he ran away, he became real unprofitable. And Paul, Paul, Paul says, look, he once was unprofitable, but now he's profitable to you and to me. He fled, he was unprofitable, now he's saved, and he is profitable. More friend, that's a picture of all lost people. Every one of us, scarred in sin. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. 
The Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. That there is none who does good. No, not one. Onesimus was a picture of all lost humanity. The Almighty God, friend, we were created for worship. We were created for service. But the scar of sin renders us unprofitable. It renders us unprofitable. We're not able to serve God. What, what, what a beautiful picture of what the gospel does. It takes us from being unprofitable and it makes us profitable. Remember Isaiah 59 verse 2. Sin separates us from God. We're not able to serve because of the dead spiritual nature in our lives. Uh, Ephesians 2 1 says, you who were dead in trespasses of sin. A dead man can't do anything. He's dead. Completely scarred unprofitable but when one turns and trusts jesus christ and christ becomes lord of our life and we're indwelt by the holy spirit of god then we're able to be used by god then we're able to be profitable remember a verse from the book of colossians chapter 1 and in verse number 27 the bible says to them god willed to make known what are the riches of glory of this mystery among the gentiles listen which is christ in you the hope of glory friend listen i was born a no account but when jesus came to live in my heart friend i became somebody i became profitable paul says he was unprofitable now he's saved philemon and he is profitable and all lost man all lost mankind we are unprofitable but when christ comes to live in our heart we become worth something we become we become profitable Paul understood this. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. Though the Judaizers were trying to make themselves profitable by being doers of the law, Paul says it's not about that. It's about receiving Christ. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. That the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He was unprofitable. Paul says, I, I was unprofitable as Saul. He says, but when I repented and trusted Jesus, Acts chapter 9, he says, I became profitable. He says, it's because Christ who lives in me. And you may be here this morning and come from the most dysfunctional background. You've been in a broken marriage. You, you, you got fired from a job. I have no idea whatever it is that the devil is using in your life to make you think that you're in no account. But friend, I want to tell you, you were something because God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die in your place. He sees who you can be in him. But you must repent and you must receive Jesus Christ. Just like Paul did, just like Philemon did, just like Onesimus did. Praise God, just like I did. And then, friend, the scar of sin won't mark you anymore. You won't be unprofitable, but you'll be profitable to the kingdom of God. God can do something in your life. And you can stand and say, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me then you're able to accomplish something for the kingdom of God. Verse 11, he says, now he's profitable. Paul says so much so, look at verse number 13. These weren't empty words. Paul says, I want to keep him with me. Philemon said, you know, in the flesh, he's like, best thing I can do is kill him right now. Paul says, I want to keep him. I'm not sending him back to get rid of him. I'm sending him back to make a wrong right. 
He said, but I've seen the gospel change his life so much. So, Listen, friend, you didn't hang around with the Apostle Paul in ministry if you weren't all in. You can see that evidence in Acts chapter 15. John Mark wasn't all in. Paul says, we can't chance it. It's not a popularity contest. We don't care what family gets hurt. It's all about the furtherance of the gospel and the growth of the kingdom. And so Paul says, man, I, want, I wanted to keep him with me. That on your behalf, he might minister to me in my change for the gospel. I'm so glad he put that in there. Some of the, well, Paul wanted his own little slave, his own little lackey. No, he didn't. It was all about the gospel. He said, for the furtherance of the gospel. He says, he's profitable. He says, I want to keep him. Now, I can't speak for you this morning, but I just want to say thank you, Jesus, for your grace and mercy that took a no account and made him something in God's eyes. And I want to tell you something, it doesn't matter how dark the world gets, the world can't take that away from you. And friend, I want to tell you, if you're profitable, Jesus isn't going to leave you here. He's going to come and redeem all of his jewels one of these days by graver air. And so that was, that was Onesimus' return. It's time to go. He was once scarred by sin, but now he's made new through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can be too. Third notice, Paul's request. Did you like that part? That's pretty good, wasn't it? I mean, how this slave ran away. Unprofitable, but it gets better. Stay with me. It gets a lot better. So we see the scars. Now notice the separation he's going to reveal. Paul's request. Verse 12, Paul says, you know, receive him. I'm sending him back. Don't kill him. Don't shame him. I want you to receive him. He says, that's my own heart. He says, now he was once separated. Now I want you to receive him. I want what stood as a division between you two to be done away with. You, you receive him. And so Paul becomes uh, an, an advocate, if it were. Look what the Bible says in verse number 15. Paul says, you know, now Philemon, think about this. For perhaps he departed for a while just for this purpose that you might receive him forever. He says, it's not that God tempted him to sin, but it's God, Romans 8, 28, it's God working all things out together for good. Maybe it is that he ran away just for this purpose that you, he could, and you know, don't you know that that stung Philemon a little bit? Now, Philemon, you were saved with a house church, but Onesimus had to run away to Rome in order to get saved. Now, think about that. Don't you know that had to grip him just a little bit? And friend, I want to remind you, I want to share with you this morning, and don't ever do it because you're afraid I'll shame you. You know, from time to time, people come and say, you know, can you, can you go witness to my neighbor? And I'll be glad to do it, but can I say this? Why don't you witness to him? Why don't you tell him how to be saved? That had to grip him. Why, why did he have to run away to Rome? He says, but, but if that's the case, he said, it, it came to pass. And you may be here today and you're like, you know, I just, I don't know how I ended up in this service. It might be just like verse number 15, friend. Perhaps you ended up here today just so you could hear the gospel and be saved. Maybe it'd be somebody that's listening to this and they're rebroadcast online. You just happen to click on this message today so that you could hear the gospel and that you could be saved from your sin. And so he says, look, I want you to receive him, verse number 19, because no longer, verse 16, is a slave, but more than that, a beloved brother. He's, he's now a saved 
worker. He says, so I'm, I'm, notice this, there's a division that takes place. Paul says, I'm sending him back to you. Verse number 15, I'm sending him back to you, receive him. Verse number 17, I'm sending him back, receive him. Receive him. He says, there, there was a division that was there, stay with me. He departed, he was scarred, he was unprofitable, now he is profitable. Now I want you to receive him. He's been made whole. Philemon, receive him unto, your, unto yourself. Isaiah 59, 2, your sin separates you from God. Sin separates man from God. But when we repent and we trust Jesus Christ to be Lord of our life, we have an advocate. It's Jesus Christ. And he says, God, receive him on the authority of my blood and what you've promised in the gospel. He's mine. You receive him. He was once separated. He was once scarred. There was separation that took place. But you, you receive him. Adam turned from God. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. By one man sin entered the world and death by sin. But it's because of Jesus Christ, friend, we're able to be restored. Romans chapter 15 and verse uh, number 17. Therefore, Paul says, I have reason to glory in Jesus Christ in the things which pertain to God because of how he's redeemed us. Verse number 7 says, Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Paul says, There may be those who've wronged you, he says, but you receive them. Don't let what people have done stand in the way, friend, of forgiving them for what they did. And forgiveness is not approval. But I promise you, friend, there are so many people who are bound in prisons of bitterness and hatred because they will not forgive those who have wronged them. And that, listen, you say, well, you don't understand what they did. And friend, I don't. But the Bible says on the authority of God's Word, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And only God can empower you to forgive that person. My friend, only God could empower Philemon to forgive Onesimus and receive him back into the house, not as a slave, but as a brother. To break tradition with everybody else and say, no more in this house. The gospel's going to reign in all, in all ways. In all ways. Ephesians 1.6, it's through Christ that we're now accepted before God. Friend, that's, that's good news. That's good news. That though sin once separated us from God, because of Jesus Christ, we've been accepted. John chapter 17, and verse number 23. Jesus says these words as he's praying. I and them, and you and me, that they may, they, they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them as you have loved me. Jesus, what's he praying there? He says, God, when all of those lost people, when all of those lost people, between now and the time that you send me for the church, when all those lost people repent and trust me to be Lord of their life, and they're changed by the gospel, he says, you receive them the way you receive me, because they're mine. That's what Paul's request was. It says, don't let there be separation anymore, but receive all of these individuals. Hebrews 2 and verse 10, Christ bringing many sons to glory. So we've seen Philemon's scars, 
Right? That was, we've seen Onesimus' scars. That was part of his return. And we've seen Paul's request now because of the separation receive him. But now notice the score he's going to settle. Look at verse number 19 in the book of Philemon. It's, we have to deal with the money. We have to deal with the issue that was there. There's, there's a score that has to be settled. He says, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. He says, and I will repay not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Paul says, hey, look, he has a score that he owes you. He took from you. Paul says, I'll pay. Onesimus couldn't pay. He didn't have anything to pay with. He was completely bankrupt. But Paul says, I'll pay on his behalf. I'll do it. I'll do it for him. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 3 says this. For what if the law could not do that in the, it was weak through his flesh? God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. What does that mean? That Jesus took in his body, friend, our score, and he settled it for us before Almighty God. Paul says he can't pay. I'll pay for him. Friend, you and I couldn't pay. But Christ came and he died in our place. He went to hell for us. And he settled the score that we might be free. When Jesus de declared, friend, John chapter 19, verse 30, he says it's finished. Literally, he was saying this, friend, paid in full. He says it's paid. Whatever they owe, I've paid it in my body and in my blood. He says it's, it's paid. He says, you can't, he can't stand before you anymore condemned. Paul says, because I'll pay it for him. Sacrificially, I'll take it upon myself and I'll pay for him. Acts chapter 13 and verse number 39. The Bible says, and by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things. What's justified mean? It means just as if it never happened. When a loan is paid off, friend, they write justified across the top. Paid in full. And everyone who trusts Christ, friend, we're, we're, we're made right. The book right before you, Titus chapter 3, and in verse number 7, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Christ justified the account of our sin. He settled the score with God, friend, that we could be received that where He is, there we may be forever. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 1. Boy, I love this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11 uh, says that, and such were some of you, Paul says. What's he reminding the church at Corinth? Uh, don't get on your spiritual high horse and think you were born saved. Paul's reminding Philemon, hey, you were the same way before. Listen, you may have owned half the town, but you owed God death before you got saved. He says, such were some of you. But now because you've trusted Christ, you've been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He said, and that's what he needs to receive from you, Philemon. Onesimus stands there. I'll settle the debt. I'll pay. And friend, thanks be to God, Jesus paid it all. I want you to listen to me. There's others that need to hear that. There are people that are still scarred by their sin. They're separated from God. They're trying all everything they know, friend, to turn over a new leaf, to work their way to heaven. And, friend, they can't do it because spiritually they're bankrupt before God. And they need to hear that God's already sent His Son Christ to pay for them. But they've got to turn and they've got to receive. 
Well, notice what he says here as he concludes in verse number 20. He says, brother, let me have joy. He says, look, I'm in prison. I'm not trying to work your emotions. But yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. What's he saying? Do what's right. He said, choose to do God's will. He said, forgive him, receive him, and put him to work for the gospel. He says, let me have, let me have joy. But notice verse 21. Having confidence in your obedience. Having confidence, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. He's not trying to flatter him, but he's trying to say this, friend. Philemon still had to choose. Now I want you to listen to me. Everybody look up here at me. Our Easter cantata began with a song. And it was in the first person. Scotty sang and said he was Barabbas. And then Randy stood and sang and said he was Thomas. And then Butch stood and sang and said that he was Peter. And they were just telling their response to Christ in those days as he was crucified just before and after. And then at the end, you know, I sang, you know, and I've been all three. Well, you can't be all three this morning. You, you can't be Philemon, you can't be Onesimus, you can't be Paul. But you, you might could be two. You know, you might, you might be this morning Onesimus. You stand here today and you, you need to be saved. You're scarred by sin. That's where you are, you're scarred. And, and because of that, friend, you're unprofitable. God can't use you because you're dead and you're marked by sin. And because of that, listen to me, you're separated Sin separates you from God. And there's a score to settle. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sins shall surely die. That's your need today. What you need to do is do what Onesimus did for you. You need to respond to the gospel. That believe that Jesus died for you. Believe that he rose again. Now listen to me. And then choose to be his slave forever. Submit your life to his lordship. Choose to turn from all your sin. Confess it. Own up to it. Say, God, forgive me. I trust Jesus to be Lord of my life. And God, will, he'll change your life and he'll give you a brand new start just like you did on Isthmus. You might be like Philemon today. You know, you, 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 just, you stand in need of forgiveness. Your life is absolutely gripped and destroyed. You say this all the time. Listen to me. I hate them. I hate them. You just, whatever it is, you go back. Even if you don't say it, you say it inside. It may be a group of people. It may be people in the witching world. It may be a political party. It may be leaders. I don't know what it is, but it's somebody, friend, that you don't see the way God sees. Every person, friend, who breathes air on this earth and who ever has is a soul for whom Jesus Christ died. You've got to see them that way. I don't know what they've done to you. But the Bible commands us, 1 John 1, we must forgive them. doesn't mean you prove. doesn't mean you don't seek justice. But you have to forgive them. Maybe you stand in need like Philemon today just to be reminded of who you once used to be. You were Onesimus. You were scarred, separated, and had a score to settle. But Jesus forgave you and you can forgive them because i'm telling you friend the devil doesn't want you to know this truth that person most likely they've moved on or they don't even care 
you're the one that's living in the prison. Let Jesus set you free today. And third, this. You might be Paul. You're in a prison today of not your own making. A lot of people are in prisons. I've seen the ministry. Listen, don't miss this. But they laid the bricks and they set the bars. They want everybody to think that the devil did it, but they did it themselves. They mixed the concrete and they shut the door. But you may be in a prison today that you didn't make. Just like Paul. What an encouragement. Choose joy. Choose hope. I mean, listen to, listen to what Paul says in verse number 20. He says, but meanwhile, he says, I just want to close with and say, look at verse 22 or listen to it. Also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I'll be granted to you. Listen, friend, he's grounded in hope. He says, I'm hoping God's going to get me out of here. There's more churches I want to plant. There's other people that haven't heard the gospel. I know it's dark days. I know it's hard. And you may be in a terrible, terrible prison. But listen, God's still on the throne. He hasn't forsaken you. There's ministry to do. Be faithful in it. And one of these days, by grave or air, friend, you're going to stand in his presence. We're going home. So I don't know which one you are today, but the Holy Spirit has told you. And you know what the need is. And that's the application to all of these time-transcending truths. Now it comes to us an invitation. How are we going to respond to what the Spirit has spoken to our heart from these truths today? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Now, without packing up and just mentally checking out, I want you to listen to me. You know that you need to be saved. You know that if you died today, you wouldn't go to heaven, but you'd go to hell. Turn and trust Christ. Let him cleanse you, make you whole. He's paid for your sin, but you've got to choose to receive his forgiveness. Turn from your sin. Trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. Tell him so right now in a simple prayer just like this, straight from your heart. Pray it just like this where you sit silently. God, forgive me today. I am scarred. I am separated because of my sin. And I've got a score that needs settled. But I believe you died for me to cleanse me, to bring me to you into God's presence, what sin is separated to do away with. Your blood paid for my sin. I receive your forgiveness today. Come live in my heart. Now make me into the profitable servant that you want me to be today. That's my prayer. If you prayed that and you meant it, I want to invite you in just a moment. When they begin to sing, to step down to the front, I want to encourage you what God wants to do next in your life. Child of God, are you bound by hatred and unforgiveness? Give it to the Lord today. Bury it. Let it go in Jesus' name. Only He can give you the power to do that and to heal your heart. But you have to want it to happen. Give it to Him today. If you're in a prison like Paul today, Pray that God will strengthen your heart. Strengthen your resolve. Choose joy. Choose faithfulness. And choose to make the most of these days. Father, you speak to your church. You know the need of every individual heart. Just as you knew the need in Philemon's heart. And you wrote a letter to him. Oh God, speak to our hearts with that same boldness and clarity. And I pray that as we stand in just a moment, whatever you're calling us to do, we'll be obedient to it. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Let's reverently stand their feet.